We've been speaking about God has a name. We've been challenging the the very concept that has become so corrosive and prevalent. And actually, I had the privilege to speak at Houghton University uh, for four, three days, four sessions, to sit with all the young students, the young faces in front of me. I said to them, we've never been in such a critical time. I have lived through many changes and many stages in life. But I believe we're in the, one of the most critical stages because the moment that tolerance gets celebrated more than truth, where do we go from there? Because the idea that all roads leads to the same God makes logical sense. The second thing I said to them have you ever considered that God conceals himself to be known by argument and logic? God, there were two men walking down the road of Emmaus after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. Jesus walked with them. They could not see him. He concealed himself. And Jesus said to them, what's going on in Jerusalem? They say, haven't you heard of Jesus of Nazareth that did so many things? Where have you been in this world? Don't you have a cell phone? Like, it's, it's, it's like freaking out. Just go to Twitter. Go to Instagram and go see the pictures. What is wrong with you? But they couldn't see him because you cannot find him through historical storytelling only. It's only when they invited him into their home. They sat down with him. Did he open their eyes? And can I say this to you? If you are struggling to truly believe and find God, don't look for more TikTok prophets. Invite him into your car. Invite him into your life. He will open your eyes because we discovered last week that the word in the beginning God is the word Elohim which is not a name it's a category of many gods so I want you as I have am I traveling against time and I'm highly sensitive I don't even know if the bulls are playing because some of you probably going like you better hurry up you know what I mean otherwise I'm out of here I, I feel it I feel it I've got that sense thing going so, so let, me, let me go as fast as I can, but anchor you as deep as I can. I want you to go back with me um, all the way and imagine that for 10 generations, you, your family, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-great-great-great-grandparents were living as slaves in a land of many gods. God, Yahweh God, has become silent because of the sin and rebellion of the people. Your faith is not being practiced, but you are observing in this culture of Egypt that there are many gods. Now these gods are not just figment of people's imagination because you have seen that if they don't make sacrifices to the Nile God, that the Nile dries up. Then they make sacrifices to that God and the Nile flows. You have seen diseases 
and they cannot solve it. But when they make a sacrifice to a certain God, everything and everybody becomes well. You've seen fertility. You have seen crops. You have seen so many things. And the worship and the idols are all around you. For us, we struggle and we would say, oh, scientifically, it's a figment of the imagination. They have some mental problems. If you were to be living there, you would say none of those things because you are living in the midst of an outcome. And sacrifices to these gods sometimes required babies, human lives. I, I, I went into history and you know that the, the, the Mayan people, the Aztec people, uh, you, you can go to their, their big temples and their big, uh, the monument of their worship that's been discovered out in the Peru area. And, 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 but the civilization is gone. But they have found so many historical accounts of the ways of the Mayan people that is historically Factual. Do you know that the way that the Mayan people appeased their God was to take a flint knife, take somebody and place them on an altar, and while they are still living, breathing, they would slit them open and rip out their pounding heart, and that was a sacrifice to the God of the Mayan people. I read this, that when they inaugurated, the mayor of of the temple under the Aztec king. I'm reading factually what they said. 80,400 men, women, and children's hearts were ripped out and offered to this Elohim entity to put its blessing on the temple and the person who was gonna oversee the temple. There is another story that all of you know. Ooh, I've got to speed up. Another story that you all know. Uh, you've heard of, of the, 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 the Greek king, and you have heard of the Trojan War, right? We have seen the movie. We've seen Brad Pitt going like, is there another man? Right? You've seen it. And it's, it's incredible. But the king, um, the Greek king, Agamemnon, was sailing across the Mediterranean with all of his ships and all of his highly trained soldiers um, on his way to go fight the Trojan War, and there was no wind. And when there was no wind, they had sailboats. It didn't move. They summoned the priest, and he said that the god, or the goddess Artemis, was angry and she needed the highest sacrifice. The king asked, what is the highest sacrifice? He says, the life of your eldest daughter. He literally took a blade and slit her throat. History tells us the moment he did it, the wind rose and the ships began to sail. Myth, fiction, or historical truth? You go like, you're scaring me. It's like twilight zone in this place. Why are you saying this? I am saying this for you to understand when God finally showed up to deliver us, his people, out of Egypt. Remember, we were in Egypt. That he was an unknown God to us. That is why Moses says, what is your name? 
Because the name revealed the person. It's not like us. I say to the students, man, they should pass a new law that they give you a name, but round about at five, you can change it. Come on, how many of you would like that? Round about at five. I would love to be called Boris or something, like Boris is going to speak, and you go like, oh God, sit up straight. You know what I mean? Pick another name. But a name is revelatory. It, it reveals the person. And God says in ex Exodus chapter 3, verse 15, and he said, say to the Israel, Yahweh God is my name, and that is my name forever, by which I will be remembered from generation to generation to generation. And I go like, Yahweh, it's wonderful. But who are you? And then God says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, we're going to study the first two words this week. And I want you to read with me. Uh, the Lord passed in front of Moses calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, come on, the God of compassion and mercy. We're going to stop right there. Compassion and mercy. Do you understand that order is important in Scripture? He could have said, I'm the God of laughter and peace. But he first used the word compassion, which means it is the first and the loudest attribute in God. It's not God is compassionate. He's the essence of compassion. Now, the word compassion is an interesting Hebrew word in Scripture. It is the word rahum, R-A-H-U-M, rahum. Compassion literally means the womb of a woman. Rahum means a womb of a woman. You go like, wait, 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 wait. That, that sounds like a heresy because the Bible says, our Father which art in heaven. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that our Father now has a motherly womb? I'm going to say this to you. Uh, we are too insipid to work out who God is. Uh, he just says, I am a God that is the all-sufficient. I am that I am that I am. But the thing that is the loudest about me is that I love and protect my children like a mother that has given birth to a firstborn. I want you to know that men has an idea of how much they will protect their children. But women will stand in between a bear and her baby. Us men will run around the car and say, come get me, come get me, come get me. But there is an instinct in a mother because that child comes from you. There is a fierceness. Hey, if you want to poke the bear, touch her baby. There is something so protective about that. But that is more than just a feeling. God says in 1 Kings chapter 126. Oh, no, before I go there, let me tell you a story, quick story. Anaji, play, would you please play? Because I've got three minutes to tell 10 minutes kind of stuff. Three minutes, three minutes. So, so there were two women in the Bible that uh, fell pregnant together. And for those of you who've ever experienced that, it's so awesome probably. You know, you go like, hey, Sally, are you nauseous? Oh, yeah, <coughs> I just threw up. Me too. <coughs> High five. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's actually awesome. Men, you should plan with your best friends because 
they, then they tell each other all that stuff and, and they plan together the baby shower and oh it's going to be so awesome and because when the babies are born I'll keep watch and then you sleep and then I, you keep watch and I, it's so awesome awesome the whole thing two mothers babies were born three days apart somehow they slept in the same bed with their two babies but during the night the one mom slept so deep she laid on her child and it died. She woke up to a dead baby. You know what she did? She switched her baby, the dead baby, to the baby's mom that was alive and she took the live baby. And in the morning she woke up and pretended it was her baby. But immediately the mom knew, this is not my baby. Now, can you imagine the fierceness of her womb? ready to fight so they come before King Solomon and they say it's my baby and and the woman who was deceiving had the best argument always remember this people who speak the truth doesn't have to speak much oh it's good somebody needs to hear that but the longer you talk the more you've got to cover it up you've got to cover it up you know what King Solomon said, bring your sword, I'm going to cut this baby in half. It's what my mom did once when we had a comic that my sister and I was fighting about. She says, this is simple, boom, there you go. Each get a part of this. You know what happened? The rahum of the mom whose baby it was. She said, oh no, my Lord, give her the child. Please don't kill him. I would rather lose him and save his life. As God says, can a mother ever forget her own? Even if she can, I can never forget you because my womb aches when I look at you. And if I've had to ask you today, what does God think of you? What is the predominant thought when he looks at you today? What word comes to mind? Disappointed? Angry? Frustrated? Can I tell you that Rahum womb and God speaks louder because you cannot unborn your child. How many times, parents, have you wondered, Man, can I just put them back in the womb for seven days? Just go back. Just give me a break. No matter what your child does, no matter what they say, even if they stomp their little feet and say, I hate you and I hate my life. You can't unwomb your child. I want you to know that when God looks at you here today, his predominant thought over you is compassion. He's aching with grace and love towards you. Whether you feel the same way about him, whether you've messed up, whether you, you're in this dark spot in life, whether you are drifting, it doesn't matter. He can never unwomb you. His compassion over you is eternal and never wavering. But then he says the second thing that he is. He says, not only is he compassionate, but he's mercy or gracious. Now, the word for gracious 
It's a, a different word. The, the, the first Hebrew word uh, that I went to is the wor- word, uh, 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 Rahom, right? Um, but now there is another word, Hanun, is the word gracious. While Rahom, compassionate, is a feeling word, gracious is a doing word. We were just in Portland at a conference. I've never seen so many homeless people in my entire life. I, every time we stop somewhere, I say to our team, that's, that's a mother's baby right there. When that baby was born, when that dirty homeless person was born, somebody cradled that baby and had good dreams over that baby. I said in the same way God has dreams over us, but we kept driving past these people. Because you see, if you have compassion without gracious, then all you do is feel from a distance. So there is a story in the Bible, actually a law that God made in the book of Exodus, and and I've got two and a half more minutes. He says, if somebody owes you money and they don't pay, take their cloak. He says, but when the night time comes, be gracious. Give them their cloak for the night. How else will they keep warm? Whoa! In other words, he says, yeah, they owe you. But remember their humanity. Fathers, for some of you, you think the way to bring your children in line is to draw a line and you have forgotten to be gracious. Because grace says, I'm still disappointed, but the light is on, there's food in the refrigerator. Because the more you try to control, the more it falls through your fingers. So remember the Good Samaritan. There's a story of a man, and and I'm I'm done. There's a story of a man um, that was walking in a road, a Jewish man, and he was overcome by robbers. and, And they beat him to pulp. They left him to die. The Bible says, and a Jewish man came by, and he had compassion. He goes like, oh, I feel sick to my stomach. Look at him. Oh. But he had no graciousness. Then a priest came by. And the priest looked at this man and go like, oh, oh, it hurts me so deep. Oh, God. Oh, just bless him. Bless him. Hallelujah. And make him happy. Make him wise. Oh, God, I bless him. But he had no graciousness about him. Then came a Samaritan. Samaritan in a caste system like in India were like the untouchables. They were one step up from dogs. The Samaritan comes your way, you walk on the other side of the street because you're scared you're going to catch their disease. But the Samaritan manifest who God is. When he saw his womb of feeling was drawn, but he was gracious. He went over and he poured expensive oil on the wombs. He didn't have to. He's been hated. He's been abused. He's been marginalized. And the person that he's helping was probably part of his pain. 
He bound him up and put him on his donkey. A donkey was actually like a Model T Ford. Others walk, I have a donkey. It was status. He did himself in by putting somebody that abused and marginalized him on a donkey. He took him to an inn. He paid for the inn and everything he needed. And this is the part that freaks me out. He says, I'm on a business trip, but I will be back to come check on him and pay everything that it needs. That's grace. Graciousness towards you. So God is not a God that just sees and he's moved with love towards you. He's a God that runs to your pain. What has the voices in your head and online convinced you that God is? He's going to burn you. He's going to get you. He's going to judge you. He hates you. Despise you. God says, I'm compassionate and gracious. So when you pray, you can come to God three ways. You can come to God based on having a good week, obeying His commandments. Have you ever done it? Have you ever had a week where you managed to pray every day? You read the Bible. You paid for groceries for somebody. You had no road rage. You actually go like, God bless you. You go. You wanted to say stupid and you say, oh, beautiful servant of heaven. <laughs> you know, that week and you get to the end of the week, you go like, how is this week, God? Right? And you feel you've accumulated 7,694 points of righteousness. And then you come to God and you go like, oh, what a wonderful week we had, Jesus. Oh, what a blessed God you are. And what a blessed servant I am. So while I have points, let me just ask you just for a few things. Because I'm sure you are proud of me right now. Come on, how many of you have done that? Come on, you know. You know, you know you have confidence because of playing it right. And then there's another way. And we are so good with it. There's no stronger way to turn an argument than to make yourself the victim. <laughs> you know that? You know when you know I'm losing, I'm losing. All of a sudden you go like, oh, I think I have cancer in my leg. <laughs> right? If I ever told you, my mom never said she loved me. And nothing to do with the argument. Where you say to God, I've been to church and Pastor P was so irritating and he made me raise my hands and I did. Did you see that, God? And I've been good. I've been faithful. I've been giving. I've loved you. And look at the mess my life is in. Surely this is not right, God. Surely you are guilting God. You, you want God to go like, Oh, heavens, angels, oh, I'm so unfair. Or you can believe who he is. And realize nothing that I have done, nothing that has happened to me, changes who you are. Therefore, when I come, I go, thank God you are compassionate. When I just look at your face, your womb, your compassion comes my way. 
Because you know, parents, how many times our kids screw up, but when we tuck them in at night, there is something angelic about them. All the ugly has just gone away. You are gracious. You can't help yourself but to love me. And you can't help yourself to come to my aid. I don't deserve anything. But you are who you are, who you are, who you are, who you are. I said to my wife the other night, we were talking about just our ongoing love and serving of our children. And she says, will they ever realize how much we are sacrificing for, for their benefit? I said, we don't even recognize it with God. How can we expect it from our children? I said, you know why we do it? Because we are good parents. No matter what they say, thank you for because of who we are, because of what God is and who He is. He cannot help but to love you. Love you in your drifting, love you in your rebellion, love you in your stubbornness, love you in your bondage, loves you in your bad decisions, loves you in your lies, loves you in your deceit. He comes to your aid and He knows that he, he, He's going to come. You said, God, if you get me out of this, I'll become a pastor. You get out of this and you sell dope the next five minutes. In that moment, God doesn't go like, oh, it's over, it's over. He cannot help Himself but to stand on the street corner and have compassion and mercy and tender loving care and call your heart back to his arms he makes a way he, he, he opens eyes he embraces your unfaithfulness he cannot help himself because that is his name forever David says it is Awful to fall in the hands of man. I'd rather fall in the hands of a gracious God. So let me say this today. Tell the voice that tells you God is angry. Don't write me. It's it's the righteous pinky <laughs> this is his name he cannot help himself he's compassionate towards me he's gracious in his work towards me and I throw myself my broken fractured tormented confused unfaithful stubborn self in the hands of a God who made me so this week we have four days that we have set aside to pray at 530 we have worked out I think it's half a mile because I thought what better way to come work walk half a mile with prayer stations, get some exercise and see the sun before the dawn of ice age comes. <laughs> and then we're going to go across the street. Because you know, church, the thing that is 
The biggest threat to us knowing Him is that His blessing has made us self-sufficient and independent. We have no need of Him because when all else fail, we show up for prayer. Can I encourage you to break the predictability of what you know is going to happen already? and commit to just spend a time with God. It is, it is a limited time, just for four days this week at, at six o'clock. And say, God, I'm just gonna sit here and ask you to awaken in me and open my eyes so that I don't need the world's affirmation of who you are. That I can say to, like the blind man, they go like, what happened? He says, I'm clueless. All I can tell you, once I was blind, but now I can see. How do you know God is real? All I can tell you, once I was lost, but now I'm found. I cannot prove a thing, but you cannot take away what my eyes have seen and what my heart is beholding can i pray for you because the bills are going to kick off in an hour two hours tomorrow oh let's go to exodus I want you to look me in the eyes. I pray for you that you may know him. I pray for you that you might find rest in his grace and love for you. I pray for you that you will get to know him as a loving father who forgets and casts your failings in the depth of the ocean and never thinks of it again. I pray for you in your struggle right now that you will not say, where are you? But that you will stand back and say, ta-da, there you are. Because you can't help yourself, God. I pray for you tomorrow when you Make a decision on the priority of what comes first. That for once this year, you would say, let me just go sit and invite him to open my eyes yet again. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God that cannot help himself, the compassionate and gracious, God be with every one of you. Hey, may the Lord bless you, because that's what he does. May he keep you. And every time you wonder what he's thinking of you, may you see the face of a proud father that is mindful that you and I are dust. My prayer is that laughter will fill your life. And you will laugh for stupid things over 
and over again. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And may God give us peace.